just train wreck. Christmas oh, wait, what did you do? Did you mute it? You muted me. Oh, yes, I did. This is a very important question that I had. About Christmas music. Hey, let me start the show real quick. Hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. So glad that you're joining us tonight. If you are watching us live, we live stream 8 o'clock every Wednesday night. If you're watching, check out the podcast. You are watching the recording of the podcast that gets released tomorrow, Thursday. If you're listening to the podcast, again, check us out. Live stream, uh, YouTube, Facebook. Um, what's very cool is that the show can be interactive because it is live. Um, you can, in the comment section, we've got it monitored. You can drop in a question, comment. You can say hello. I would love to interact with you. Once again, my name is Zach Adams, the Outlaw Radio Show. I am joined in studio, as always, by uh, the producer of the show, uh, the man that needs no introduction, the maestro of this dysfunction, Dick Dastardly, Mr. Creighton Vaughn. Hello, it is me indeed. Um, and I would just like to say, on behalf of the whole team here, I apologize for the chaos that is the beginning of this show. So I told a, I told a story um, to you guys beforehand that, that I, I feel inclined to kind of reiterate, because I see you're his productions hat, so you're rocking... <laughs> Uh, his productions hat. So uh, Josh Brown is a dear friend of our show. In fact, there would be no Outlaw Radio if it, if it weren't for uh, Josh Brown and his productions. But no one's going to believe he's a dear friend after you tell the story. But, <laughs> so, so what ended up happening is I saw this picture on Facebook. <laughs> it was this picture of, of Josh. He lives on a lake. He's on his pontoon boat. This was last week. And it's a picture of his puppy dog kind of looking out over the water on the pontoon boat. And, uh, and, and the caption underneath loosely read, uh, you know, so sad, this is the last day on, on the water. Um, and, and the way I interpreted it was that uh, Josh's dog was going to die. You know, that he had to, like, put his dog down so that they were going to go out on the water. And uh, this was the last, the last voyage. So I shot him a text. I was like, hey, man, I'm so sorry to hear that you have to put your dog down. Uh, that's terrible. And as soon as I sent it, as soon as I sent it, I thought to myself, you know, he lives in Indiana. This might actually just be the last day he can be on the water, uh, you know, because it gets cold and things freeze over. And you know, so, as, opposed, as opposed to doomsday. As opposed to, like, his dog dying. So I immediately shot him another text. was like, or I hope you enjoyed your last day on the water because it's <laughs> going to get cold. So he replied. It was funny. And then he sh shot me a text yesterday. His dog died. <laughs> his dog actually died. And he goes, I don't like you. This is this is somewhat prophetic, and uh, what in the world is going on <laughs> in the studio here. here? Everyone, look at this. All right, so that was just so funny. It's so funny that that's what you said. That was at first what I thought of when you were telling me the picture of his dog being on the thing, and you're like, "Oh, last day on the water." I was like, "Dang." This sucks. Like that's kind of a his dog's dog. That's a vulnerable post to post, and then it's like. Wait, no, it's Indiana. <laughs> the water's just cold. So you this had just the same last day on the did. water. The yeah, reaction. I know. But that was the first thought I had. Like, dang, his dog's dead. <laughs> like, and then that his was dog it. died. Yeah, R.I.P. What What I are know. we gonna do about it? <laughs> like, sorry, not. Josh. We love you, man. Sorry about your dog. There's yeah. more, but we love you. <laughs> like, so, hey, I get it. <laughs> Steel Daddy, why don't you introduce the 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 Mary? Hey, man. You know, so we're here. I am the Deal Daddy. Next to me on my left is the Nick Monty. He is wife to whom? Carrie. Carrie and Justin. <laughs> Is no, here. No, he my... is Spice Daddy. You, you are gotta, father you of what? In there. Okay, comma. Could you could the, you do this? Spice in, could Daddy you, could is... you do do the rest and your best 
NPR impersonation. Oh, so, Lord. Spice Daddy, we You're going to have to be louder than that. No one can hear you. Then then okay, it's not an NPR. NPR. <laughs> NPR, Spice Daddy, loud. <laughs> we are here. Spice Daddy, will you introduce yourself? Tell us a oh. little bit of why you are the Spice Daddy. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you, Deal Daddy. Derek. No problem. Um, yeah, I'm called Spice Daddy because I love hot sauce. Oh, he um, loves hot sauce. Uh, and all you guys the, are ridiculous. Okay, all these and, units and of that. Yeah, Spice Daddy, explore the spiciness of the new man next to the. Oh my goodness! Nope. This is we're no done with this. No we're no done no with no this. No oh yeah, my so gosh! We are, we what are also brought upon us. Zach? So, yeah, I know. This was, this was, Spice, that baby. That was last time. We're gonna kick it over to Deal Daddy. To, For to sure. Like, oh, that was gross. New. Oh man, just ridiculous. So we are we are joined uh, a long time listener, first time in studio. Uh, Mr. Neil Tushton, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. So you have been listening for a Diesel long time, Daddy. haven't you? Diesel very Daddy. long time, yeah. A very long time. What, what's one of your favorite episodes? Oh, Putting you on the yeah. spot here. Or what's the first episode you can remember? <laughs> <laughs> I've He's never seen the show. First time uh, yeah. listener. First time, first time listener, viewer. Yeah. Um, well, listening to... Um, I guess Vinny's testimony, that one was, that was crazy. Yeah. Um, that, you know, sticks out in my mind. We've had Vinny on a few times. He's yeah. a good brother. Yeah. So you work with Vinny, right? I mean, you know Vinny pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Right yeah. on. So how's the new, you got a newborn at home. Yeah. Getting any four, sleep? 14 months old. 14 months. Yeah. So, so not really months. a newborn. Not really a newborn. Okay. I missed, I missed like five months of, of, of Man, life. You're going to yeah, keep falling back on that. Aren't I you? am hard. Very hard. I did. I did. Well, I mean, I missed some time this year. So yeah. we all know. Yeah. So the little one's growing well, strong. Yeah. yeah, he's learning. Man, every every day you can tell he's just learning something a little different, and That's he does cool. things a little differently. It's awesome to watch him grow. That is very cool. Creighton, tell people how you know what makes the show unique. Um, what makes the show unique is that we are a bunch of misfits, and none of them listen to instructions. Also, that's correct. That's, um, that's, it is yeah, a okay. live I mean, stream. So if you catch it on Wednesday nights, we start at 8 p.m. Um, you can be in either the Facebook chat or the YouTube chat, which I am monitoring on the nice computer in front of me. Um, and if you have questions, comments, concerns, if you would just like to yell at us because we are chaotic and awful, uh, you can put that in the chat. I will see it. And if it, you know, is meritous, I will... Bring it up to the to the group, and Who's we can Merit? talk about it. Meritus, oh. as in, and you you also uh, put, having merit. You also put the topic uh, of the show in the thread, so that if people jump in at you know in the middle of the episode, that they can easily like figure out what's going on. Yes, once I introduce a topic, so it won't be there yet, but it will be there later on. So, and this is kind of where we get to what makes the show, I think, a lot of fun, and that is, I have no idea what this the show tonight is about. Nor do the guys in this room. The only person that knows is Creighton. Creighton's job is to bring the topic. It then becomes my job to turn that topic into a Bible study, uh, or at least a Bible-based conversation, and these guys are here to help me do that. Uh, so it's a lot of fun, and then if you're watching, uh, you can drop in a note, a thought, question. Uh, you can join the conversation as well. So it's kind of an unscripted Bible study, and it's interactive, which is very fun. So uh, no rant tonight. We're going to uh, keep it yes. fresh. Uh 
Justin is over there disappointed. You're giving me this look. Yeah, because nobody ever answered my question earlier that Creighton rudely muted me on. Is it too early? Okay. Is it too early to listen to Christmas music? Absolutely. You're wrong. Yes. Absolutely too early. December 15th. Hold on. I want to be. December 15th is too early to listen to Christmas Uh, music. You get a week. You get a week. And I think that it should go on either side. So you get three days before Christmas. Four days after, so you can have You're that little Scrooge. Extra. Yes, I hate he Christmas. is. 104.7, the fish starts playing exactly after Thanksgiving. Yeah, and they're I've early. Already started, I've already started mixing See, in Christmas that's fine. music into yeah, my Because playlist. you wait until after Thanksgiving. Yeah, there's still start, there's stores doing Christmas, it now. Yeah. Christmas lights yeah. on their house right yeah. now. Yeah, one of our that's neighbors horrible. couple down the houses has because you don't, you don't love out. Jesus as much, do you? I do love Jesus, which is why I celebrate his birthday in May. Well, so that's well, a, so I okay. So Mabel, uh, her birthday is coming up. Uh, she's my three, about to be four year old, and so there, we've had this thing because we're trying to to give her a context as to when her birthday's coming. So it was like, hey, first is Halloween. You know, first we we'll do Halloween, and then it's your birthday, and then it's mom's birthday, and then it's your brother Quincy's birthday, and then it's Jesus's birthday. And then it's Theodore's birthday, and then it's Dad's birthday. And she's like, okay, so let me get this right. Halloween, my birthday. Mom's birthday, Quincy's birthday. Theodore's birthday, Dad's birthday. It's like, well, May, you, you forgot Jesus' birthday is between Quincy's and Theo. It's Christmas. And she goes, it's not Jesus' birthday, Dad. <laughs> Good girl. I was like, are you serious? It's the day that we celebrate Jesus' birthday. Well, we don't know when he was born. This is my three-year-old. I love that. We don't know when he was born. You know, (laughs) favorite child. Not really his birthday. It's like, I mean, okay, you make a point, but this is when we, anyway. You know, Justin, I'm a big Christmas music fan, so I, you know, I I don't. I'm one of those people that get to November, I I can I can start the the leaves are changing, it's getting colder. I can throw on some Christmas music. I'm not a hardliner like Creighton. I will say this though. And this kind of gravitates me a little bit back towards Neil's point. The only reason that I kind of uh, pull back, like, so our tradition as a family, you got Thanksgiving. Um, we, you know, go over to my, my parents' house for Thanksgiving dinner. My, my family's there. We come back. Uh, we have friends over. Um, we do kind of a, an evening thing with friends. Um, and, then, and then Friday. The day after Thanksgiving, Michael Bublé is spinning. Michael Bublé <laughs> is spinning with Mariah Carey. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mariah Carey is the greatest Christmas. Anyway, yep. different topic. But we go, I take the boys, we'll go get a real Christmas tree. We set up the Christmas tree on Friday. The Friday after Thanksgiving, we decorate the whole house for Christmas. We go yeah. into full Christmas mode. That's what we and the only, reason, the only reason that I do it that way, although I enjoy Christmas music and, and I, you know, whatever, is because I really do think, and this is a whole different conversation, that like, I don't know if it's like a concerted thing, if, if it's like somehow schemed, if there's a conspiracy behind this, <laughs> but don't you feel like, like our society is completely just dismissing and erasing Thanksgiving? Yeah, dude. As soon as you go into a store after Halloween, even almost right before Halloween, 
You've already got stores setting up at least one aisle of Christmas decorations before they start hit, hitting up the rest of them. You get like to August. Least, you get yeah. to August. They go full full blown Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, full-blown Halloween, but then in October, they've Boom. still got the Halloween aisle, and they've got the candy, and they've got everything else. But it switches hard. But the other aisles right next to it are already getting set up for Christmas. I it mean, Home Depot... Over the past couple of years, dude. It's yeah. full. I mean, Home Depot is full, full, full go Christmas. You go to Hobby Lobby is three months ago yeah. set up for Christmas right. already. <laughs> it's and it's like, 70% well, wait a off now because it's been out for three months. <laughs> and it's like, wait a second, yeah. where, what about Thanksgiving? You know, like... You know, and again, I'm not saying that there's like a secular conspiracy to Screw rid us of, of thankfulness. I'm no, thankful I totally agree. We need to you're extend Thanksgiving Christmas. to like December 24th. Okay, you're, I am so down with that. So, I'm no. here for mute, it. Someone no. mute him. You got to yeah. talk yeah, to Rudolph kidding. about that one, bro. <laughs> Creighton the bah humbug. Scrooge. Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge, so, McDuck. Scrooge McDuck, baby. So to me, I come well, back about to... about that dollar. Open up your own Christmas I love, shop. I love Christmas music, but but we we hold back because I really enjoy Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving yeah. something yeah. that I don't want to just skip sure. over. There's just not that many pilgrim music though. There's hey, there's Christmas no music. there's no quintessential Thanksgiving song other than <laughs> other than you know something that maybe Adam Sandler didn't Adam Sandler do a turkey song probably uh, yeah probably along with the Hanukkah song. I mean, but there's not like a I mean, can you name a, a Thanksgiving themed you know, hit? I can't. I, can't I mean, the Pilgrims were technically Mariners, so I can think of an entire genre. Oh, no. Sea all shanties. sea shanties. <laughs> all Thanksgiving. They were not Mariners. Let's go. They were passengers on a boat. Counts. Yeah. Passengers on a boat. It counts. They were there for yeah, a long but time. It would be the same thing as calling like your sixty-year-old grandmother is going on the carnival cruise. America. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Hold a on. Point. A carnival and the Mayflower are not in the same category. I couldn't buy an unlimited drink just because you're over to the Mayflower. Make you a sailor. <laughs> like living in a garage makes you a car. Right. Actually, I've slept on the USS Yorktown. I am a seaman. <laughs> Okay, so Justin, you're <laughs> yeah, let's move forward. You go full full bore Christmas music. No, no, I, I've started mixing it in. Okay, but there's when do you put up Christmas decorations? I let other people put up Christmas decorations, but I start watching Christmas movies and going full time Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving. Okay, so yeah. we're we're genuinely on. Yeah, the same, we are. Same but I start mixing it Christmas music in mm. now. I hit it a little bit in July. That's right, you did. <laughs> I do. Christmas I hit it. in July is a, is a thing. It is. I hit it Horrible. a little bit in July, just a little bit. Get a little taste for it. We ought to do a Christmas by the pool theme. It would, absolutely. One Saturday at the pool during the summer. All day, Christmas music. We all we all get gifts. Oh, Exchange gifts. Fun. Like yes. pool gifts. Yeah. I hate this. Eggnog. Idea. Eggnog in 95 degree weather. Pool. No. Eggnog around the pool. Oh, that'd be great. Gotta oh, love it. Eggnog yes. around the pool. Yes. Eggnocky. <laughs> All right, Creighton. <laughs> All right. What do you want to talk about tonight? Oh man. So um, I'm I, I should and... I should say if yeah, there's yeah. anybody watching, anybody watching that wants to throw your opinion in about when is it okay to start playing Christmas music, or I'll even say like when should we start celebrating Christmas before or after Thanksgiving, or never, or or in the case of Mabel, my daughter, and Creighton, never. it's it's a made up holiday. Agreed. Mm. Well, if it's in the season Horrible. of giving, it's all year. So Christmas is all year round. What can I say, baby? 
All right. <laughs> what in the world? All right, what are we talking about? All right, so um, we're going to talk about one of, uh, I think, one of the most interesting characters in the Bible because he doesn't make any sense to me. Um, there are a bunch of people in the Bible that we call patriarchs or that we look up to or that are, um, like, generally speaking, seen in a good light who do horrible things like David, Abraham, Peter. Um, there are a bunch of them, but they all have Paul, really strong Paul, Paul right. um, basically everyone but Jesus and maybe Joseph. Um, but they all have really good things that they also did. Like they all redeemed themselves or came back, uh, except... The Bible is a story of redemption. So there's, yes. there's, a, yeah. there's a general story arc to a lot of the characters of Scripture. The least likely person God chooses... They're a total misfit, but God's grace, he uses them. There, there's an art to that. Literally, yes. Jesus. Yes. Okay. Um, that being said, there is one who I can think of who I can't think of anything good about um, and is a complete disaster, and that is Lot. But the Lot. Bible describes him on more than one occasion as a righteous man. If you don't know, Lot is, I think, Abraham's nephew. Um, he's the guy that God pulled out of Sodom and Gomorrah before just destroying it utterly. We, we'll we'll um, recap Lot's story yeah. in a second, but what's the question about, about the, Lot in particular? The question is, what exactly is going on with Lot? Why is Lot described righteous and, like, in an overarching way? Are there good things about Lot that I'm unaware of? Or is he righteous for another reason? And if so, why slash how? Because I don't see how he's righteous. We're going to go through it, but righteous, but Lot is like wildly, he has a wild story and I can't really think of anything good that he did. And yet the Bible unequivocally defines him as righteous. Being righteous. Yes. Um, Both before and after he's pulled out of Sodom and Gomorrah, he's described as righteous. All right. Well, let's, uh, while I kind of give a bit of a recap, why don't you pull up some of the passages where Lot gets defined, I believe in Peter, first or second Peter, there's a passage. Yes, second Peter. Second um, Peter. It's second Peter. Mm -hmm. Let me. That's look fine. It that's up. fine. Just find it while um, I give a little bit of a recap uh, on, on on Lot. I guess you know before yes. before okay, I so before sorry. I give the background story to Lot. Any just initial initial thoughts from you guys about about Lot, about how is this man a righteous man? Any just. Jump in if you have anything at all, or I'll just dive in. I mean, I think it definitely shows, at least when he's in Sodom and Gomorrah, it, it shows that he was separate from the people, but he still was involved in no. this city. I, I, saw, I don't know how else to explain it. Right. Like no. He was different, but he wasn't. He was just different. kind of, yeah. He was obedient in the things that God, like, in specifically instructed him to do. Like, even if you think about him walking away from the city, he was like, don't turn around. How simple of a command is that? But also, as a human being, like, think if God specifically asked you, you were walking away from the city that you lived in. He was like, look, leave. Just don't turn around. Trust me, it's going to work out. You'll end up wherever you need to end up. Just don't turn around. And he did not. Like, what a simple thing. Like, he, he was righteous because he just did exactly what he was asked of him. I think he's a good example of, like, a lack for lack of a better term, a carnal Christian, I guess. Like, 
someone who's very. All right, we'll get it. We'll get into. I, I don't know. Mm. How to, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So I, I will say up front that what's what, to me what makes Lot's story interesting and unique is that he we shouldn't have Lot's story at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean the very way that Lot in, ends up in the narrative um, is is complete disobedience on the part of Abraham. Um, Lot's story shouldn't have been a story. He shouldn't have been included. He shouldn't have been a part. Um, you know, Lot is like this. Again, it's a very weird accident. Again, this is not any fault of his own. But I, I'm trying to even struggle to think of another example of someone similar where it's like, we really shouldn't have your story, but we do. Uh, I, okay, here's the, maybe the only other one that I can think of. Uh, King Saul. You know, it was very evident. You know, God made concessions for there to be a king. Um, and the law, he gave laws and restrictions and stipulations about the, the king, the role of king, prophet, priest, and then there would be a king. David was God's anointed. You know, Saul was chosen of the people. You know, God kind of was like, they were murmuring, complaining, they wanted a king. So God's like, all right, pick a king. And they picked Saul, you know, because he fit a, a particular perception. You know, he personified what they thought a good king should be, what he should look like. He was tall, he was handsome, he was strong. Um, and yet that was not who God selected at all. It was David. So Saul kind of ends up in the story. He's given every opportunity. But he ends up in the biblical narrative on on an act of just the stupidity of the people not consulting God. like Due to human error. Kind of human error. Lots the same way. And what I mean by this is so, like, if you go back... And you're in the early part of Genesis. So we're coming out of the flood, uh, out of, you know, Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, the sons. Um, you know, you come after uh, the Tower of Babel, um, you know, and, and you get to you kind of make this transition from the Tower of Babel. And then you get this this genealogy um, of Shem's descendants, um, which which closes. And again, I'm, I'm in Genesis 11. Uh, we're told um that Nahor lived 29 years and begot Terah. After he begot Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and begot sons and daughters. Now Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, who becomes Abraham, Nahor, and, and Haran. This is the genealogy, verse 27, of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. So this is, this is the first introduction of this man that, that your question revolves around. So he is um, the son of Haran, who is brothers with Abraham. So that makes him, by definition, Abraham's nephew. Um, we're told Haran died before his father Terah in the native land and Ur of the Chaldeans. So they're, they're Chaldean. Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. It continues on. Uh, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. They went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years. So Terah died in Haran. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now, now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And what we have happening 
in chapter 12, verse 1, is this calling of Abraham uh, by which God, you know, following the flood, God decides, you know, he's going to work his plan of redemption through humanity. Um, Humanity rebels against God very quickly, builds the Tower of Babel. God confuses the languages, scatters the people out of Shem's descendants. We get to Terah. We get to Abram. God chooses Abraham. God's going to work his plan of redemption instead of through the, the population at large. He's going to work specifically through the family of this one man. And we have this calling in chapter 12, first couple of verses, this messianic promise. Um, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God calls Abraham. Now, what's interesting is when we take this particular story, we take Genesis, and we compare it to a few of the other narratives of the same um, same events. And specifically, I would, I would encourage you to go to... Uh, to the book of Acts, go to chapter 7, go to this incredible sermon that Stephen gives where he recounts some of the story. What you come to find is that, so, Terah and his family, his sons, Abraham, Abraham, his wife, Sarah, Lot is a nephew, um, the whole family clan, they're living in Ur of the Chaldeans. This is an early, early Babylonian uh, civilization, the Chaldeans. And we're told not here in the book of Genesis, but elsewhere, that God, while in Ur, God comes to Abraham and he calls Abraham. He says, you know, leave your family. Same, the exact same, the, the, basically it's the first iteration of what we have repeated in chapter 12. Um, this command to get out from your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you, that originally occurred in Ur. Now, the problem is, is that Abraham uh, wasn't fully obedient to that. He does leave Ur, but he doesn't leave his family behind. And instead he leaves, and then he doesn't get to the land of promise. He ends up settling um, in another territory, and he wastes years, years waiting for, we're told, his father to die. And then it's upon the death of his father, like 20 years after the call, original calling, God then comes back to Abraham and is like, and then we get to chapter 12. So whereas chapter 12 seems as though like this is this first thing, it's actually a repeating of it. Abraham made the first mistake that he, yes, he left Ur, but he took with him his father and the rest of the family, including Lot. Um, God comes to him again after the death of his father and is like, hey, um, I still had this plan, you know, um, <laughs> would like to use you. But this is what I need you to do, right? So we have this repeating. Verse 4, <clears throat> we're told that, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And then in the note, And Lot went with him. So wait a second. Like Abram, Abram gets this second commission. Um, go to a, Leave your family. Go to this land. I'm going to do a whole new thing through you and your family. He, he disobeys. Loses 20 years. God comes back, grace, amazing, abundant grace here. That God comes back and is like, hey, I still, um, it's okay. Um, you lost years. I'm patient. Um, let You want to take two? And Abram's like, yeah, sweet. This is a good thing. Let's do this. Um, hey, Lot, come on. <laughs> right from the beginning, like Lot should not have been there. Shouldn't have been there. And Lot, Lot causes problems. 
Like Lot should have been left behind. Lot should that, that should have been the end of the story. The, the verse should have read, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and left Lot behind. But that's not what happened. He took Lot. And so, you know, Abram, Abraham, you know, he comes to the land. He, you know, he begins to settle in the land. There's a whole bunch of story uh, that, that passes through. Um, but what ends up taking place, uh, let's see, where are we? Uh, let's go to chapter 13. We're told, um, hey, I'll just start with verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, all that he had, and Lot, again, and Lot, with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. He went along his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. So you have Abram, Abraham is gaining wealth, he's gaining status, he's gaining possessions, God's blessing him. He has this crazy detour to Egypt. That's a whole other story. Lot's tagging along the whole time, also accumulating wealth, He's riding on the coattails of, of all of God's promises and blessings to Abraham. Um, again, you can't blame Lot. I mean, you have to blame Abraham. You know, Abraham should have obeyed God and left Lot behind. Lot is like, hey, I know a good thing when I see it. Um, my uncle uh, has this thing going. And um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to hang around. Um, he's, he's doing real well. And if I'm kind of chilling in his shadow, I'm now doing real well myself. Verse 6 of chapter 13, Genesis, we're told, Now the land, though, was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdmen's, herdmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites also dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Now, again, you, 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 it's, it's easy to like sympathize with Abraham here. Be like, oh, that's, that's nice of Abraham. Uh, no, 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 no. This is terrible. Um, so as, as they're growing in wealth and uh, their flocks are growing, um, the land can't support the two of them. You know, they, they have two businesses operating in the same warehouse, you know. It's, it's this is not going to work. The workers, there's strife between them. Again, you've got cattle. You're trying to, you know, tend your flocks. You're trying to make sure that there's enough water, there's enough food, there's limited resources. Um, so there's strife, there's conflict. And, and Abram is like, whoa, okay, maybe this is why God didn't want us to be together. Um, so, hey, uh, you pick where you want to go. You get first dibs. You pick to the left, I'll go to the right. You pick to the right, I'll go to the left. It's all you, baby. Now, what's wrong about that is that the original promise is God promised to Abraham, go to a land that I will show you, I'll give you the land. It's not Abraham's land, it's God's land. Abraham is giving away the portion of his the inheritance that God had for him, not Lot. Mm. Again, we have just all kinds of problems happening here. Lot should not have been included in the story, but he is. So Abraham says, you take first dibs. 
We're told, so Lot lifted his eyes and saw all of the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere. This was, again, Moses gives us a caveat before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> it was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zohar. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had departed from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all of the land which you see I will give to you and your descendants. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length, its width, for I give it to you. And Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Merimee, which are in Hebron, which is up in the north, and built an altar there to the Lord. So you have this situation where, all right, Lot, you get first dibs, and Lot's looking around, and he's like, okay, um, the Jordan River, there's a lot of water uh, as, as a result of its flooding um, during certain seasons. The soil is very fertile. Um, it's a great place to graze. If you're a herdsman, if you've got cattle, um, you know, it's beautiful. And again, we're given this caveat that, you know, the Jordan River flows from, um, from Galilee. Actually, starts above Galilee, but it goes from Galilee, and it goes all the way down to the Dead Sea. Um, and this is before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah, we believe, to be down uh, near the Dead Sea. And so before all this, it's all fresh, it's beautiful, it's lush. And Lot's like, this is, you're giving me the choice. This is more than, more than enough. So he first sees the plane. This makes sense. This is good. This is logical. Um, and so he goes. But then we're given the caveat that Sodom and Gomorrah there, it's a very wicked city. There's wicked people there. Um, and he plants his tent as far as Sodom. So he's like, yeah, wicked stuff happening here. Uh, I'm going to stay away. But but I, but I you, you're giving the indication he's kind of like moving that way, right? So he's not in the city, but he's kind of towards the city. And then, and then as soon as he leaves, God kind of comes back to Abraham, and he's like, you knucklehead. It's all yours. Look north, look south, <laughs> look east, look west. It's all yours. Walk to its left, length, its breadth. It's, again, you have, <laughs> you have no right to give away your land. So there's Lot. Now, you would think, okay, Lot kind of walks off the pages of Scripture. But he doesn't. Because, because in the next chapter, we find um, that there's this, um, this crazy battle. The five kings of the north, the five kings of the south. When I taught through this, do you remember when I taught through this in, uh, in Genesis? You remember how I approached this passage? Because there's a lot of really terrible names that are hard to pronounce. Yep. Huh. Oh my God! But I, I presented it as an epic rap battle. This the was the East-West. Uh, it was the Wu Tang Clan versus yeah. the yeah. So uh, this is like it was it it plays itself out like an epic rap battle. Um, you or know, a scene in Game of Thrones. Yeah, or like you know Biggie Smalls and Tupac both are the casualties. You know, <laughs> you know they they both go down. We got gang hits. So, mm -hmm. but in the midst of all of this, we're given the detail in this big crazy battle. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah fall. They get and, and their residents get taken captive. And who gets taken captive? Lot. So Lot pitched his tent in the previous chapter towards Sodom. The next chapter, is he, is he outside? No, he's now in the city. Um, and so he's making his living, um, paying people to take care of his flocks, right? Presumably. But he's now a city dweller. He's living in the city. 
So he's affluent. He's done well for himself. But he's living in this wicked city, and he gets caught up in this whole big crazy battle, battle royale. Now, Abram finds out that Lot, his nephew, has been caught up in the casualties of war. And so Abraham, and this give, it gives us a little glimpse to his power, he like gets like 300 of his servants. They, they, they gear up and roll. They take it all back. They conquer it all. You know, they rescue Lot. Side note, coming back down, they end up having an encounter with this weird, mysterious king of Salem named Melchizedek where he gives like 10% of the spoils, which is the first mention of a tithe. That's where we get the concept of a tithe. Uh, but he rescues Lot. Again, you would think Lot's story's over. Should not have been living in Sodom, right? He has revelation. You know, he's been with Abraham. I, I think that there is probably an element where Lot, while Abraham's been disobedient, Lot's been very prudent. You know, going all the way back to the beginning where like his uncle's going to leave. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually also leave behind everything I know, my culture, my future. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on this like crazy journey with my uncle. Like, there's something going on here, and he tags along. He shouldn't have been there, but he tags along. And then after this detour in Haran, he does it again. You know, he tags along again, and he's blessed by it. He's, he, he becomes prosperous, and then he gets placed into this situation where you know he picks, um. Fertile soil, they have to separate. Okay, I get it. Kind of a, a lame move, though, you'd have to say, right? I mean, Abraham's allowed you to tag along, and, and you're going to pick the you know, the good land. But it's like, hey, you, you, you know, you, you gave me the choice. Well, I think he didn't just choose just the good land, but it's good land next to a city. Next to a and, city, right. cities back then didn't just mean, you know, wealth and stuff like that. That meant security because all the cities were walled. There was mm-hmm. safety, yep. safety, safety. So, so you have Lot, you know, picking the area towards Sodom, and then you find Lot in Sodom, and then you get, and then Lot kind of walks off the pages for a few chapters. See if I can get there very quickly, um, and and then you get to to Genesis nineteen, and you have this whole story, the chapter before where God comes down with a couple of angels, you know, to have a potluck with Abraham, right? And, uh, you know, and he, and he, you know, tells him he's going to have a kid and Sarah laughs. You know, there's this whole thing that happens. And, and so, you know, God gets up from the table with the angels and, and Abram's like, hey, where are you going? I'm paraphrasing very loosely. Uh, you know, where are you off to? What's next? And he's like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to go judge Sodom. And Abram's like, whoa, uh, yeah, I got family there. Um, you know, and so Abraham and God get into this like uh, bidding war. You know, would you spare the city? If there are 50 righteous people there and God's like, yeah, sure. I, I'll spare the city. If there's 50 righteous. And then Abraham thinks about it. He's like, yeah, I might have overshot. Yeah. 50 is um, a bit high. Yeah, yeah. 50 might be a little high. Oh, what about 40? God's like, yeah, sure. Abraham like reverse bids himself down to 10. You know, if there's 10 righteous, would you spare the city? And God's That's like, yeah, crazy. sure. Sure. I'll spare the city knowing that there weren't 10 righteous. And then, so the two angels go down, they go to Sodom and, uh, and we're told, chapter 19, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but we're told the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Note, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he arose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, 
that you may rise early and go your way. And they said, no, we'll spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. He made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and ate. Interesting, he baked unleavened bread, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, before they laid down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. They called to Lot and said, where are the men that came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, the door uh, shut the door behind him. He said, please, my brethren, do not do this, wick- this so wickedly. I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, I'll bring them out to you. You can do to them as you wish. Only do not do anything to these men. Can we dive into that? We, at yeah. some point as we well. will in a minute. I'm just setting the context. Since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof, they said, stand back. This one stay here. Keeps acting as a judge. We will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot. They came near to break down the door, but the men reached out their hands. They pulled Lot into the house. As speaking of the two angels, they shut the door and they struck the men, gripped the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary, trying to still find the door. The men said to Lot, and, and, and we get this, this thing. So <clears throat> the two angels come to Sodom. Where do we find Lot? He's no longer a citizen, a resident. He's not living outside. Of, he's now in. He's not just in. He's now at the gates. And the gates of the city is where the men of nobility, the men that had uh, status, uh, the men that were that kind of ruled. They were the elders of the city. These were elected. You could think of them as the elected officials to to an extent. So Lot is just not living in Sodom, like he's he's involved in the culture of Sodom. And there, there's just the, the underlying indication by what happens that Lot's not cool with it. You know, that, yeah. that Lot, he understands the depravity of Sodom. He, he understands the wickedness of Sodom. He's still living there. He's still ch- he has made the choice to raise his family in Sodom. And, and you could say, well, he's trying to be a, an influencer of change. You know, he's trying to, to, to redeem the culture to an extent. You know, Lot had maybe the noble intention to the point that like these two men, these angels come to visit lot meets them at the gate and lot knows that like, this is not a good thing for these guys. Now there's a whole like homosexuality angle. I think lot knew that they were angels. Yeah, that's what I think is like, how did he know that they were angels? It was the wings. The fact that, like, it was their, it, <laughs> and it was the no, halo. No. It was the halo and the, the wings. The form that these men took where the rest of the city was to be able to see them and then come into his house and be like, yo, where are these dudes at? We're trying to get them. And like in a bad way. But like that Lot knew that, no, these are angels. Like he bowed down to them when they were coming in. Lot but, understood something that Abraham was able to recognize. Yeah. I mean, but, I, I, like, you know, again, you know, I mean, the Bible, the Bible presents certain examples of like where the world is blind to things that we can see. Yeah. yeah true. And the blindness here gets, gets illustrated pretty, pretty significantly, but lot for whatever reason, and we're not told specifically, again, I go with the wings and the halo, but 
um, or the harp, you know, I mean, I mean, who walks around with a harp? Well, obviously. Angels, Some obviously. Angels, when they pop up, they're blasted and they're laying on the ground and they're like, oh my gosh, help me. And they're like, get up, don't bow down to me. But now that he's bowing down to them, he recognizes that they're angels. But they've obviously taken the form of what seems to be a man because yes. the rest of the oh, city sure. sees them and like, where are these men that you pulled in your house, these sexy looking boys? Okay, I, got, <laughs> like, why? I, got another, yeah. I got another theory. I don't know. There, there are certain customs in, in that time period and in that, that culture. Uh, he, he might have known that they're different. It could have just been wealthy, like, salesmen or traders for that instance. And he Not wanted, necessarily known they're angels, but wanted, knowing that they're important. And he wanted to further his business. Oh, you're going, you're going, mm. you're going selfish lot. He was trying to impress. He them. saw, he saw an opportunity, right. which I assume would be the reason to hang out at the gate anyway, the, right? the, to see what's coming into the I mean, city look to at, identify look at opportunities. What he's been doing, he's been selfish the whole time. You know, that's a, that's a strong. Do you have a rebuttal, Zach? Do you yeah. Think so that, I mean, again, I mean, I mean, that's an interesting thought, and and again, lots of shifty guy. You know, I mean. He's obviously a businessman. But if you just read the plain reading of the text, the the, the indication, um, it seems to read pretty plainly. These guys show up, Lot sees them. He's like, this is not going to work out well for you guys. Uh, come to my house. Come, come under my protection. Come under my roof. Well, and, they're like, and they're like, no, no, no. We're going to sleep in the open square. And he's like, bad move. And he pleads with them. You know, again, could it have been selfishly motivated? Maybe potentially. Well, I mean, if I if I'm seeing these dudes come in and they're dressed differently than than what the city folks are, I'm thinking traders from out of town. I can do business with these guys. Here's the problem with here's the Hold problem. On, with that I got theory. it. Here's the problem with the theory, is that when it goes bad, it goes real bad, and if it's just like we're doing business, um, you know, I'm not sure Lot's putting up much of a defense. Because yeah. he comes out, they, they, the men of the city come. Hold on, because I want to get to the defense in a second. Okay. Because I have a, I would say that the reason I don't think is, back to your, um, a plain reading of the text, most of the time when somebody is being duplicitous, especially in the Old Testament, it tells us that they're being duplicitous. I'm not yeah. saying he's being like, duplicitous. I'm saying that he's, well, not, he has, he, he. Ulterior motives would be duplicitous. Not necessarily ulterior motives. But he's not just going to treat these guys like just a normal visitor. Yeah. There's something different about him to where he's not like bowing down to him to worship. He's bowing down to him like the. Uh, so there's a thing called the Code of Hammurabi that you, mm-hmm. you find all over the place, and there's certain rules and etiquettes of of how you treat different people, and that would have been something that he would have brought with him from Ur to this region, and and so if he recognized them as foreigners who they don't normally have dealings with, the only option is either they're refugees basically, or they're traders. Cause the average person is not going to leave their hometown to travel mm-hmm. around. I, I agree with you. I think that the, to, to put more of a bow on the, on the, on this facet of the topic is I don't necessarily, I think that he, I think that he was being genuine in, saying, hey, don't sleep out in the city because you're going to get wrecked. Right. Because he didn't want them to get wrecked, not necessarily because he saw it as a as a business opportunity. Right. That may have been a part of it. Well, let's get knows. back. To, let's but get back. There's so more much more. Can we get back to how he So much more to the story wrecked? here, too. I mean, even beyond what we read, like like this, the story gets even weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, so so you're Lot and you're like, hey, come come under my house. He feeds them. 
you know, he honors them. You know, you're under the protection of my roof. You're my responsibility. Um, the men come to the house, you know, and so Lot goes out, shuts the door. He's like, yo, 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 uh, you know, this, these men are under my protection. Uh, go away. This is not, this is not going down under my watch. And they're like, forget you, Lot. You know, and they, you know, they, they, they press against him um, to the point that like Lot's going to like try to actually actively defend, you know, his home. He's going to lose, but he's going to try. And then the, the door opens, the men bring him in, close the door, right? In the meantime, he tries to make a bargain with them, right? Yeah, I'd like to talk about that bargain because yeah. boy, is that messed up. Well, yeah. so the bargain is like, hey, I got two virgin daughters. I'll give them to you to rip apart. You know, leave these guys alone. Um, the fact that those men want those men is what's weird. Oh, the whole thing, the whole thing. It's, it's horrible. horrible. Or, have not, or have you not seen what's happening in the past like four yeah, or five years? Hey, here in the States? look, strong times. Make or weak listen, men. we get we get even more devious because like within the context of the flow of the narrative of the book of Genesis, the reason God has just destroyed the world with a flood is that the daughters of 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 of, of men came into this. The, the sons of the God sons came into the daughters of, yeah. of men. And we had like this weird blending of, of human genetics and angelic genetics. I think Greek mythology finds some root and evidence within scripture. We have some crazy things that are happening. I'm of the opinion that what we don't have here is like, just like Sodom, Sodomites, you know, the, the gays, this is a story about the gays. I think it's just a story of like a even deeper perversion of, of an unholy, sexual interactions with, mm. with angelic beings. Um, you know, because so, so lot, realm... so, so lots like I, you know, duh here, take my daughters. Like, you know, mm. leave these guys alone. Th- this is not good. This is going to be real. It would be bad for my daughters. This will be even worse. Like we can't, this is not a good thing. And you know, on one aspect, you're shocked. You're like, Holy cow. On the other aspect, you're like, so, like Lot has to have some intuition that there's something big going on here, you know, yeah. mm. like to take a drastic step like that. Like Lot knows, this is this is something something is bad. Well, is brewing if adversely. If there were the if Sodom and Gomorrah is as bad as it is, like the spiritual underlying things that were going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, why would it not be a spiritual? push to realize that what God is influencing. So that underneath like the, the spirits, principalities, whatever's going on in there, they would already know what was about to go on. And that's why let me, let me so throw out heavy. another, let me throw out another idea. This is just dawned on me. I, I've never thought of this before. So Sodom is this totally wicked culture. Lot has gotten himself like just sucked in and probably for economic reasons. It's good business. Um, you know, he's done well for himself you know, he's outside the city, then he's in the city, now he's at the gates of the city. Um, and, and we're given an insight that, that Sodom is very wicked, it's perverse, it's going to get judged by fire and brimstone, okay? Like, th- this is a serious thing that's about to go down. And, and it takes a lot for God to get to that point, you know? God has to exhaust a certain amount of revelation. God sent Jonah to the, the Ninevites, who were... Assyrians were awful. Were just as, just as wicked... To give them another chance, forty days. Yeah, I'm gonna need forty days. Repent, or you'll be destroyed. You know, like God sends two angels. You know, for revelation purposes. Think about this though. In such a culture as that, where Lot is even at the gates, he's trying to be. He's trying to be a, an effect, an effective person for change. You know, 
He's trying to be a good guy in a bad place. To the point that this just hit me. In such a sexually perverse culture, he's got two virgin daughters. Hmm. He's got two daughters that are still virgins. Like how many, how many dads living in Las Vegas still have virgin teenage daughters? You know what I mean? Like how many dads in Gwinnett still have teenage virgin daughters? You know, Sin City, like in the midst of Sin City, Lot still had some type of a moral presence that he had virgin daughters. True. You know, and, and he's trying to defend these these innocent, whether he knows they're angels or not, he's trying to defend like there's a lot of nobility. There's it's all perverse, but it's, there's some nobility within Lot. But now the angels pull them in, and they're like they struck the guys with blindness. They're still trying to get in the door, you know. They're struck with blindness. They're still trying to get in, and and the angels are like they they break the news. Like hey, you guys need to get out of here. Like go get. Well, what's sad is we're told that we said so when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry. So they're like, hey, judgment's coming. We got to go. Lot's <laughs> taking his time. <laughs> As there's blind wow. guys still trying to get in the door, you know, like, hold the door, you know. <laughs> nice. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I like nice. that reference. Nice. So, and Lot, it's no morning. You know, morning comes. And then we're told, verse 16, and while he lingered. So he's lingering. The angels physically take him, his wife, his daughters. They physically grab them, take them out of the city. And they're like, run. And Lot's like, um, where exactly? To the mountains. Oh, well, what if something happens? <laughs> it's about to go. In the mountains. Look, there's another city over there. Why don't I go there? And they're like, run, don't look back. And then you get this story where Lot's wife looks back, turns into a pillar of salt. They they get to the mountains, you know, and, and all hell, like, like a nuclear bomb goes off and they're thinking that it's, it's lot and his daughters. Right. And, and they're thinking civilization is over. Right. They don't think Simon Gamora got judged. They think the planet, got the judged. planet just got judged, you know, and, and you just got to imagine what that, that was like. And so the daughters are like, well, it's our job to preserve the, uh, the, the species. So they get lot hammered and they sleep with their dad and they all get pregnant, and we have, like, a bunch of other people groups that come out of this. The Moabites and the Amalekites, if I remember correctly. And that's, like, that's lots. Okay, so that, so, and here's the point, because, man, we're running out of time. Really quick. But that's Lot's story. Okay, so that's all we're given of Lot. So you read through Genesis, and you're like, and even then, verse 29 of chapter 19, we're told, it came to pass that when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, which he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. So, like, even in its context, the implication, the indication, is that, like, God, God kind of spared Lot, not really for Lot's sake. Like, it wasn't even Lot. Like, whatever good things we might be able to find within him, it's like God... Spared him because he remembered Abraham. Like Lot should should never have been in the land. He should have been in Ur. And then and then he should have been left in Haran. And then he gets down and he's tagging along with Abraham. And he, he's blessed by it. And then he finds himself in this very wicked city. And he finds just this terrible stuff going down. But God ends up sparing his life. Like you read through this story and you're like, 
Okay, cool. And then you move right along and think, I'll never think of Lot again, right? Until you get to what, Second Peter? Second Peter 2.7. Uh, read, 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 read. Beginning More back than that? With, yeah, back to like maybe verse 4. So it says, uh, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his uh, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds keep going yeah that's that's fine so we have two mentions here you know (laughs) you read you're like um righteous lot righteous lot he's described as righteous lot twice and again this is inspiration of the holy spirit so this is God's, this is God defining Lot. The man, the man living in, living in Sodom and Gomorrah, who, for whatever his intentions, offers a sex-craved, carnally-minded mob, his two virgin daughters, who drags his feet when judgment's coming, God still spares, ends up committing incest. Like, like this, this, again, the crazy, crazy Lot. And then you get to the New Testament, and he's defined, described as righteous Lot, which means that's not that's not something we can debate. Like that is that is the Holy Spirit relaying a description of Lot and his status in heaven. Again, I might want to take one step back. So, what does righteous mean? To describe someone as righteous, specifically, it means to be right with God. I mean, if you want to take righteousness and just simplify the definition, it's to be right on when it comes to God. Like, you're right. Now, none of us are right because we all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And so in order to be right with God, the sin problem that separates us from God has to be rectified. It has to be, there has to be a remedy to it. So, and that, that requires uh, death, wages of sin is death. It requires atonement, requires sacrifice. You know, you know forgiveness can't be bestowed without their, you know, somebody incurring the cost. Like people say, well, grace is, is, is free. Well, it's free for me, but it would cost God a lot. You know, Jesus had to die so that the gift of salvation could be bestowed. I can only be right with God when my sin problem that separates me from God is, is, is remedied. But that sin problem can only be remedied through a death. Like my debt has to be paid. I can never pay it, which means I've got to have somebody who's perfect, sinless, holy, and man pay for that so that I can now be right. So when we're told righteous Lot, like right, Lot is not righteous on, on, on accident. Like the work of Jesus on the cross has been attributed to Lot. That's the only way he can be described as being righteous. So it's like, well, how did... Huh? How did that happen? And I think it goes back to the, the, the early motivations. So why did Abraham leave Ur? 
Well, God spoke to him and said, I'm going to provide a savior for humanity. Abraham was righteous. Why? Because of what he did? No, of what he believed. And what was the belief? Paul writes about this extensively. What, what made Abraham righteous wasn't anything that he did, but it was a belief that he had that God would provide a savior. Now he's looking towards the cross. We get to look back towards it. He doesn't know how all this works out, but he believes that God is going to provide a savior for humanity through his lineage, his seed, a savior. And it's that savior that would, that would save, you know, you know, all that would believe. So Abraham was righteous for what reason? His obedience to God? No. Abraham is a story of failure after failure after failure. Abraham was righteous before God because he placed his faith in a coming Savior. That's why he left Ur. Now he had this 20-year hiccup in Haran. God comes back. Will you believe? Yes, I'll go. Why does Lot go? Both times. According to at least what Peter is saying and the fact that he's righteous, at some point in Lot's life, Lot placed his faith in a coming Savior. Now, Lot's a misfit in every regard. But the one thing he got right is where he placed his faith. And because of that, when Jesus finally did come, Jesus' work on the cross atoned for Lot's sin. Like Lot is one of the greatest. He's like the antithesis of Saul. You know, another guy that's like should not be in the story. And then just his whole story ends tragically. Mm -hmm. He's never called righteous ever. Saul's in hell. We could make that another topic. (laughs) But you got Lot. And Lot seems that, that, you know, there's, again, he's, he's described Holy Spirit driven here. He's described as being righteous. Now, let's maybe tie a bow on this and I'll get you guys' thoughts. We have any comments? We'll get to that in a second. We do, but later. I just, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap that up by saying like, if, if, if someone like Lot can be saved, anyone can, right? Amen. Yep. I mean, that's the truth. Amen. Indeed. If grace is sufficient for a man like Lot, and there's a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons that can be learned by looking at Lot's life that we don't have time for tonight. But again, to your core question, like, why is he righteous? Well, at some point in his journey, a journey he should have never been on, he placed his faith in a savior that he couldn't see that he didn't know, that wouldn't even come in his lineage. Lot becomes the father of a lot of Gentiles. Yep. But Lot put his faith in this promise that had been given to his uncle. And he tagged along. And like he, he shouldn't have been in the story, but he is. And, and when, when you know, his story is written, the, the final word is grace, and then there's a period. You know, which it's kind of kind of cool. So, lot. You guys have any thoughts? Lot. It's Questions, even. Nah, just. Craig, more... you can also jump in with the uh, with any any listener feedback. All right, so we're gonna go to the listener feedback first. Apparently, okay. Um, so we have a couple that are from various points in the episode. The first and most important is Miss Ann says hello. Miss Ann, I hello. love you to death. 
I, I hope you're well. I haven't seen you in a while. I hope that we can change that soon. So I hope that you are improving as, as much as I am. So Miss yes. Ann, in case you I don't know, Miss Ann and I both, she, she was the forerunner. Yeah. Uh, she, she went through a COVID experience that almost killed her. Um, she's, uh, we are together, Ann and I, we're, we're trachies. Oh, no. Yes. Um, yep. And then uh, <laughs> our own resident sick person, Kyle, um, he said that he thinks that uh, Lot may have known the two, the two angels from hanging around with, um, with Abram. Do you think that's possible? That that's the reason why they each noticed Maybe he them recognized them? As in having seen them before. Because it seems no. like Abraham recognized them when they showed up. And then Lot recognized them. Whether or not exactly what they recognized them as. Is it possible that maybe this wasn't the first time that either of them had seen angels? Or these angels in particular? Completely, completely possible. Again, you can't, you couldn't say that definitively mm-hmm. because we're not, we're not, we're not told that. We don't, we don't know what they look like. Um, other than the fact that they did eat with Abraham, you know, I mean, they, they, um, they obviously were, were, they had a human personification and we, and oh, we know right. that we're told in Hebrews, you know, be careful entertaining strangers. You could be entertaining an angel. I, I fall back to, I think, a, I think Lot knew that they were angels because of the halos. <laughs> the halos, the wings, and the hearts. I think. So that, speaking to that, that seems to be the uh, the easiest explanation. So speaking to that, we have uh, one from uh, Old Nick, um, aka Joe. Um, uh, old Nick, Joe. <laughs> old, <laughs> old Nick. <laughs> uh, and he says Joe. that uh, you're not going to sacrifice your virgin daughters for a couple of salesmen. Yeah, he wasn't. Right, which a I'm lot was. <laughs> Joe right, wasn't, right. but a lot was. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, and again, there's a cultural, there's a whole cultural thing about just the, 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 like to bring someone into your home. I mean, I mean, you were, you're bound. To, you're bound. Like this I is, mean, East, you, still, you still see that in Middle Eastern culture yeah. today. Yeah. If you bring a stranger into your, your home, you're bound with your life to protect them. Mm. So interesting. interesting. Well, and there was, there were stipulations about, about that within Israel, you know, just the, the, the the laws that stipulated caring for the stranger. Um, That's the why sojourner. bread was so important too. I think it's, I think it's, I have to chew on this. I, I what jumped out at me that I hadn't really thought much about is of all the things that he made, it was unleavened bread, you know? Um, yeah. Maybe it was, it was really just, weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean from fast. a very practical, it's fast, but it's still, you know, that it, again, there's no accidents in scripture. And, and the fact that there was True. unleavened bread. I like a was, good tortilla. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is technically one, yeah. flour. Yeah, yeah. Corn, okay. No, any any flour. other good good? To, I'm glad you you were with us, Joe. Agreed. Yeah. Anything else from, uh, the, from no, the? No, no, no. That's all. Okay. Um, please like and subscribe. We're, I'm going to start doing that now because we're on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Yeah, there you go. You guys got anything? No. Hit that notification. No, you pretty much summed it up in the end pretty well. I was gonna. I had the definitions ready for righteousness and stuff morally right, ready to go, and start saying the same stuff you were doing, but you hit it right on the head. So, yeah, it is cool knowing that Lot was looked at as righteous. And all I want to hear is like, well done, good and faithful servant. So I was like, all right, well, what do I need to do? (laughs) Well, it's not about what you do. That's yeah, what, no, that's it's not yeah. about what yeah, I did. It's not about what Lot did. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Every, like, he made the wrong decision, him and Abraham, 
like every step of the way. Yeah. And he's still considered righteous. Yeah. Yeah. Because of his faith. Yeah. And we can still be considered yeah. righteous. Yeah. No matter how many wrong steps we've taken in our life. Still want to make the or right are one. going to take or going yeah, to take. He's going still, to take. I mean, I'm certain I've got some mistakes in my future. Yeah, I got a th- <laughs> I got a third uh, I got a third example. You know, so I said, you know, you know, Lot is. It's interesting, you know, he's the guy that really shouldn't have been there, and you know, King Saul is another one. Um, you know, I I, th- I do think that Lot, Lot has some similarities to Judas. Go on. Because Judas is scary. I mean, again, we, we don't have any of the backstory of Judas um, other than the fact that he was uniquely of the 12. He was from the, the, the region of Judah. You know, he was not, he was not uh, from the Galilee like most mm-hmm. of them were. Um, Judas seems to be more of the aristocrat. He was educated. Uh, he was the treasurer. He, he managed the money. Um, you would think Matthew as a, as a tax collector would have been logical, but you know, Judas, Judas, you know, for whatever, like he believed to an extent and he was there and he followed and he was around, like he ends up a part of the story and, and then it just like Saul, he, for the most part, he, he kills himself. You know what I mean? It's just like. His story just ends like it, like Judas's story could have ended also with grace. You know, I mean, yeah. Peter's did, you know, Peter denied him three times. Judas actually shows incredible remorse. You know, he goes back and he throws the that you know, gives the tries to give the money back. And they're like, not on us. Too you know, he's now, he's weeping like he's this was not whatever his intentions were. This is not what he wanted to have happen. And he showed, again, a great example of the, de- the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Conviction and condemnation. Uh, repentance and destruction. Mm. You know, but, but again, what, what Lot did, Lot hung out with the right people. Abraham. Yeah. And then he hung out with the wrong people, and it kind of ruined everything. But in the end... He believed and he placed his faith in it. You know, Judas hung out with the right people, you know, really could have been part of the story, but, but, and then he hung out with the wrong people and it destroyed him, you know? So anyway, Neil, thanks for being with us tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, you have any, any final thoughts, any, anything you want to throw out there? No, nope. it was just that one how, you know, I mean, God's grace is sufficient no matter like, what you've done, yeah. you know, and it's, I don't know. I was just thinking about that while you were, and talking. it's sufficient for whatever you're doing. Yeah. Mm. So stop it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. like you don't have to, like you can just stop it and he's not going to condemn you. He wants to bring you right back to the place where you started the cross. Yeah. And it's like, how can anybody be filled with pride at the foot of the cross? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, nah. Hey, when you're at the foot of the cross, you're not, you're not standing there. You're not standing there with a cross between you and God claiming that you did anything <laughs> or that you sacrificed anything. It's like if there's a cross between you and God, it's, it's, it's all what happened there, right? Spice Daddy, final, final thought. Yeah, I like how in, uh, in Matthew you actually hear about Sodom aside from, yeah. aside from uh, Lot. It's just that, said Jesus was talking to the people at, uh, of Capernaum. He's like, 
you know what? If the miracles that had been done here had been done in Sodom, they would still be around today. Right. And I think right. they, they would have gotten on board in Sodom. What's wrong with you guys? Right. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's, that's just such a good example of, you know, just what God can do with anything. <laughs> and just what you can do when you turn your hearts off. Right. I mean, look at the blind guy. I mean, those angels made those guys blind, and yet they were still trying to get through the door. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, good episode. Good, good topic, yeah. Creighton. Yeah, I enjoyed good. it. Well done. All right, thank you guys for being here. I'm gonna, Always I'm gonna take us out. A little music. We'll get rolling. So, thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you are watching live, eight o'clock Wednesday nights. If you're watching live, check out the podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify gets released tomorrow on Thursday. Um, podcast, great to listen to. A lot of times you might not have the opportunity to watch, but you can listen. And it's very easy to share that with, with other folks that might be encouraged by, uh, by tonight's episode. If you're listening, hang out with us on Wednesdays. Uh, it would be great. You can put a face to the voice and to the name and uh, join in on the conversation. With all that being said, my name is Zach. So glad that you were with us. See you guys next Wednesday at 8 p.m.